Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. In the Message Bible, we're going to read verse 1 through 6. Now, um, it's going to be in the message, so if you don't have that version, look up on the screen because I like how the message reads. I'm going to give you a couple of traps of what happens when we're in a dry season or a difficult season, some of the factors or traps that we have to deal with. Have anybody been in a dry season ever? Has anybody ever been in a very difficult season? Well, there's traps because the, the goal of the enemy is to keep you there. So First Kings says this, 19 verse 1. Now remember, this is after uh, he, uh, he demonstrated the power of God through calling down fire and executing the false prophets of Baal, uh, doing the drought and all that stuff. Now look at what happens. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her threat. Now, I want you to see this. The, I know this is popular, but I want you to see it from a different light. The gods will get you for this, and I'll get even with you by tomorrow. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as one of these prophets. Now, I want to I want to pause and say, she is saying this to a bold man who just called down fire from heaven, just pronounced a drought three and a half years ago, and was able to now call the rain back into existence. I mean, if you have to understand things from a deeper perspective than what we have been taught throughout the years, I want you to say this is not just this average person who's not confront, not used to confrontation. So now watch this. When Elijah saw these things, where he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far from the south of Judah, he left his young servants there. That's a key. And then went on to the desert another day's journey. He came to along, along a broom bush and collapsed in his shade. Look, look at this. I want you to read this real quick because some, some of us are stuck in this phase. Wanting in the worst way to be done with it all. To just die. How many have said, I just, I'm just through. I'm just done with it all, right? And look at, look at this bold prophet, faith-filled prophet. He said, enough of this, God. Enough of this, God. I've had enough of this God moments a lot of my time. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Then he fell asleep under the the lone broom bush. Suddenly an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and to his surprise by his head were a loaf of bread baked and some coals, a jug of water. He ate the meal and went to sleep. Now look up at me. I find it interesting that God is not, I said this last week, but now I'm diving into it a little bit more, that God is not intimidated by our tantrums. We throw tantrums with God, and that doesn't necessarily disqualify us from the call of God. Here's Elijah throwing a tantrum, not looking to be faith-filled at all. He's going in the opposite direction, and the Lord helps him go to the opposite direction by giving him food and strength to go to the opposite direction. And so he's, we, we throw tantrums sometimes because if you have a relationship with God, you need to re, be real with the Lord. Amen? And so why, why do I say this? Because this is a review from a couple weeks ago is that when you are in a dry season, number one, you have to see the invisible stage. You ever say the invisible stage? What's the invisible stage? We talked about this a month ago. When Elijah heard the Lord speak, hear me now, this is very important. How many of you have heard the Lord speak and have seen nothing after he speaks? The rest of you, I don't know where you've been. 
the Bible says that the Lord spoke to Elijah, and then he sent his servant. He says, he spoke. So watch this, modern, modern day. I can't wait to see the fulfillment of what God spoke. They, I've been waiting for rain. I've called it. Now there's rain. He said there's going to be rain. He sent his, his assistant. He goes, what do you see? He came back, and he said, nothing. What do you do in the nothing phase? What you do in the nothing phase of your life will determine your breakthrough in the Lord. Because if you quit during the nothing stage, what you have is the voice of God. If you know that God spoke to you, hold on to the nothing stage. So seven times, six times, he came, nothing. How many of you have been believing for a business and God spoke to you for a ministry and you've seen nothing? Right? The second thing is that we talked about is in the dry season is understanding and appreciating the little that God gives you even in the dry season. Because at the seventh time, he said, now what do you see? He goes, oh, I have good news. I saw something different. Now, watch. In our mind, we would say, okay, finally, God answered our prayer. We've been contending. We've been praying. Uh, Elijah, there's something, but it's very small. It's a cloud of the size of a man's hand. Now, my hand is not big enough to water the whole city of Apopka, much less a whole nation. So what we talked about is valuing the little that we do get in our dry seasons to keep us thankful, right? Because if we don't value the little, we will disqualify everything. So what I want to share with you today is brings me to this next point. One of the boldest men we've ever seen in the Bible, just called on fire, like I said, pronounced a drought. By the way, he pronounced a drought, and he had to walk in the drought. That's a whole other message. And he did that because he was hoping that the, the people would turn from their ways and repent and have revival. Now, let me tell you, how many of you believed for something, and when you believed for something for a long time, it didn't happen, what, what happened in your heart? I'm preluding with something. You're believing. You're praying. You're contending. You did all the right things in hopes that after what you did will come through with a breakthrough. Now, I say this because I, this is my opinion, but I've done a lot of thinking and praying about this. I have a hard time believing that this mighty man of God was only scared of Jezebel. There were other factors that were happening because of the fact that he just called down fire. I mean, what happened from one day to the next? I believe this, and I, and I, you could, I could prove it in Scripture, that when you've been contending for something and you don't see the expected result of what you've been contending, you will slip into discouragement. And so why was Elijah running from, the, from Jezebel when he knew he had all the power? I believe if you look at the scriptures further, you will see that he was contending for certain breakthroughs in his life. He says, I've done, I've been zealous for the Lord. I've done all the right things. Come on, let's, let's modernize it. When you've tithed and you don't get a breakthrough, when you come to church and you still feel lonely, when, you, when you're reading the word, confessing the word for your healing, and you're still not fully healed, when you're obeying the voice of the Lord to step out and start that business that you wanted or ministry and you see no fruit, how are you going to react? And so I say this because I believe sometimes we have to look deeper into people's situations to find out more about why they do what they do. 
Because we tend to generalize people and say, well, this person is this way because they did that. And we generalize people based on one or two actions, and we don't see deeper on why they do what they do. Because if we don't heal our past, our future and our current decisions are going to be affected by our past. If we don't realize why we are doing something, then we won't figure out and we'll be casting out things that we shouldn't be casting out. Can I hear an amen? So why do I say that? You know, for, for instance, we see people, I see it all the time. Uh, well, you know, that person, he left that relationship. Oh, man, he's just, he's just a dog. But we never ask why he left that relationship. He, we never dig in to say what, what was going on in his life. Oh, we see a, a, a woman, for, for example, and she's down and she's, and she's, and she's heavy uh, in spirit. And we say to ourselves, she has no faith. And so we tend to generalize people. Come on. I, I, we tend to generalize people without digging deeper into what the things that, we're, that they're going through. And this is the same principle with us. And I want to say this. Put that first slide up there. Here's the first slide I want you to see. Is this. Is that there are factors, or I put traps, that we have to, we have to face that were present in the life of Elijah during his drought season. I'm going to say that again. There are factors that we have to face that were present in the life of Elijah during his, his drought season. We have to face those same factors. I call them traps. So watch this. Zoom in. When you and I are in a dry, when I say dry season, hear me now, I'm not saying only void of feeling the presence of God. I'm saying that there may not be as much fruit that you've been expecting in your life. You may be feeling the presence of God, but you still feel miserable, right? Or you don't see the fruitfulness of your labor, or you don't see the mar- your marriage working out like you've been contending. You don't see your ministry working out like you've been contending. You don't see your business working out like you've been contending. So what I'm calling in, when you are and I are in a dry season, there are traps that we could stay in in our dry season that I believe God is going to highlight through this story that's going to help you and I. Are you ready? So the first factor of the trap, and this is going to be very, very simplistic, I want you to look at this, the disappointment and discouragement factor. The disappointment and discouragement trap. Because if you have ever been in a dry season for longer than a couple months, you will start getting discouraged and say to yourself, am I ever coming out of this? Am I ever going to have what I used to have? Has God abandoned me? Then then your relationship with God is really tested when you feel nothing and you see nothing and you see very little fruit. And you're in a dry season. And, and, and so here's, I want you to see this, though. Usually when we talk about dif- di- disappointment or discouragement, we think about defeat, right? Think about this. Come on, you can talk back to me. When we think about discouragement or disappointment, we think about being defeated, right? But what's the, so here's what I mean. When, that's easy. When you're in a dry season and you feel defeated, yes, you can be disappointed. But I want to point out to you that Elijah's disappointment was a little bit different than what we think. I would have expected Elijah to run for his life if he called down fire and the Lord didn't answer and said, not today, son. If he would have called down fire in front of 400 prophets of Baal and said, Lord, the true God will answer by fire, and God says, I'm not answering you, then I would have ran. (laughs) I would have ran also if the false prophets of Baal got their prayers answered. (laughs) I would have been like, I'm out of here. So we, watch this, we equate 
disappointment and discouragement with defeat. But Elijah didn't get defeated. I want to point out to you something powerful here. A huge factor about this message here is this. Elijah's discouragement and disappointment, are you ready for this? Came after he got his prayers answered. It came after he was contending for something for years, and it came after he got, he got his prayers answered, and it came after the drought ended and rain came. So why was he discouraged? Because this is going to set me you up with something. There's a correlation with discouragement and disappointment. Watch this. When you correlate disappointment, discouragement, and expectation. So when your imagination of something does not turn out to the reality of something, when your expectation of something doesn't turn out to that, look at this, disappointment and expectations are correlated in such a way that if your expectations are or of your projected outcome look different than your actual outcome in real life, you will battle with discouragement. Now, that's a big thing to chew, but I want you to read that again. Disappointments and expectations. Say disappointments. Say expectation. Are correlated in such a way that if your expectation of your projected outcome, what you think, looks different than your current reality, you will battle with disappointment. See, see that's what happens when we have an, a certain expectation of marriage. Now, I love marriage. Marriage is good. Don't, don't, don't look at me funny. But we have this expectation. Some of the young people, when they get married, they're just going to skip along and, and look at their wife and, or their husband, and they're just going to they're just gonna, they're just gonna sing, and they're gonna look at their eyes, and they can say, uh, you know, whatever song they sing, "I'll love you forever," or "I can show you the world," right? And then, and then we have this expectation: oh, she's gonna meet all my needs; he's gonna meet all of our needs, and we're just gonna be tapping our eyes together. We're gonna skip, and then you actually get married. And, and deal with real relational conflict in your life. And then what happens is that you get frustrated and disappointed because your disappointment, oh, I'm going to preach this morning, is correlated to a false expectancy that you already have. Elijah was not running because he was scared. Oh, Elijah was running because he was contending for something in his life. For three and a half long years, he pronounced a drought. Why? In hopes that a wicked generation would experience temporarily the judgment of God to turn, right? To turn. And then what happens? After the rain came, after the three and a half years of godly discipline, he would think, surely people are going to start repenting now. Watch this. Surely Jezebel is going to turn, and we're going to win the whole city, and we're going to have revival. Why? Because it's been three and a half years of hot, dry, stickiness, and oh, it's now they've learned their lesson. The moment that happened, Jezebel didn't repent. What happens when you pray for something, and you have expectations, and it doesn't come out the way you expected? Or we, we get offended at God because of the, our, our, our expectations don't match the reality of our current situation. Come on, man, Pastor John, I'm about to preach real good here. There's a difference between our imagination of what we long for versus the reality of what we once longed for. 
There's a death, thank you. There's a difference between, come on, how many can relate to something? You have an expectation of something, and it's not what you expected. I believe the reason why he turned, and it's actually proven in Scripture, is because, I, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be a little, uh, you know, I'm going to be a little transparent. If, if the head of a nation or a head of a region said, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow, that's the first thing I'm going to think about. Lord, forgive me. I'm just going to be honest. I'll be like, oh, my God. How do I go? Oh, my God. Do you know that when God, I don't want him to talk, when, when Elijah was talking about his ordeal, he didn't even mention that first. I mean, you would say, hey, 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 I'm over here because they're trying to kill me. You know what he mentioned first? He goes, he goes, what are you doing here? He goes, God, I've alone, I've been zealous for your word. Not, not even one time mentioned at first that, that Jezebel was trying to kill him. He's like, I've done your word. And it did not come to pass like I thought. I prayed. I fasted. I called the drought. I confessed scripture. Come on, how do you, what do you do when you've prayed and fasted and, and, and confessed all the scriptures and nothing changes like you want to? But just because you don't see it doesn't mean he's not working. And so we have this expectation in our, our relationships that is not uh, uh, matching up to our re reality. And when you see that scripture, it says, I, I've been zealous, and then I've done all the things that you've told me to do. I, I'm, I, I'm the only one left. And oh, by the way, Jezebel's trying to kill me. I would have been like, Lord, don't you see? They're trying to kill me. He mentioned that at the very end, which proves to me he wasn't running because of fear. He was running because of disappointment. He was running because he's done all that he could to do and he never got the answer to his problem. Maybe Elijah expected, oh, this is good, that when the drought was over, that the battle will be over. He didn't realize that though the drought was over, he didn't expect the resistance that would still be there after the drought. So what do we do when we've done everything and then we come out of the prayer time? And I'll just be transparent. I've had to go through that in 2018. I go, Lord, I am quoting scripture. Lord, I am giving. I am, why haven't you healed me of this? I've done everything that I can to do. And what happens is this, and I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Uh, put, that, put that slide up. I'm not, I'm not going in any order about um, offense. Expectate, false expectations to anything or anyone. Look at this. This is so powerful. False expectations to anything or anyone can produce the seeds of offense in our lives when we don't see what we were expecting to see. That was a good place to say amen. False expectations to anything or anyone can produce the seeds of offense in our lives when we don't see what we were expecting in our lives. Why do I say that? L look and zoom in to me for a second here. Sometimes we're not offended at what God is doing. We're offended at what God doesn't do. Sometimes we battle with bitterness and offense not because of what God has done. It's because of what he hasn't done. Remember when John the Baptist, I've said this before, but there's a lot of new people here. When John the Baptist, he looked at Jesus. He himself baptized Jesus in water. And as he's baptizing in water, before he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let me tell you, if you say that, you pretty much know that's the Son of God. Right? Can I hear an amen? 
He said, that is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And by the way, the, the, the Lord revealed that to, to, to John the Baptist. It wasn't like Jesus says, hey, I'm the Son of God. Just go ahead and let them know. He said, he said behold, the Lamb of God. Now watch this. Are you ready for this? Expectation, say expectation. Say versus reality. Could equal offense. Expectation versus reality can equal offense if you don't know who you are in Christ and you don't know who God is. You, if you know your identity and how he loves you, you won't get offended. Now watch this. Now, he, he's in jail now. Everybody say he's in jail. I want to pause and say this. We have expectations of what ministry is going to look like. Those of you who call the ministry, oh, man, I'm going to be used all over the world to shake the world for God, and there's never going to be a problem. I'm going to preach the gospel, whoo, and, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. And then you get into the ministry, and then God uses you, and you're like, this is too hard. And what happens is God never tells you something that you're going to go through before you go through it, because if he did, you'll reject the call. <laughs> so what happens is John the Baptist was preaching the gospel. Watch this. Doing all the right things. How many of you doing all the right things? Praying. Calling people to repentance. Doing the right things. He gets to jail, and then he's like, surely this is not my expectation. I'm going to be in full-time ministry. Jesus is going to come any moment. Save today. He's going to come through these walls. And you watch. I'm going to keep on preaching because the ministry has to keep going. The work of the Lord has to keep going. Jesus never came. And so he's like, hey, hey, hey. I want you to send some servants to him and tell Jesus. Now, remember, he's the same guy that said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Tell Jesus, is he the one or should we expect another? And I love Jesus, man. He's just a gangster like that, man. Jesus didn't say, I'm the one, tell him. He goes, all right, this is what you told John. The lame walk, the blind see, the lepers are cleansed, the gospel is preached to the poor. Oh, and by the way, Blessed is the man who's not offended of me. Tell, tell John that I'm not necessarily going to save the day like he wants to, but he's still in my will. He's still in my will. One of the greatest temptations that you have in your mind is when affliction happens, has the favor of God left me? Am I still in the will of God? Can I hear an amen? Look at this. Look, look, so he said in Matthew 11, verse 4 through 6, Jesus answered him and said, go and tell John these things which you hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. And the dead are raised from the raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached. And that's a really good resume to prove that you're the son of God, right? In other words, he's saying, look at what's happening. And then he goes, and blessed is he who is not offended of me. And so I believe that this is one of the reasons that, that Elijah came up in the discouragement phase because his current re reality was not lining up to his previous expectations. Which leads me to the, now this is not going to be the theological, right? But it's just going to be a real moment. Everybody say a real moment. It leads me to the second trap when you're in that discouragement phase and you're in a dry season and things don't go as you expected. This is the next, the next factor. The I'm done, enough of this factor. The I'm done, enough of this stage is a trap from the enemy to get you to lose the inheritance and get you to lose everything that you've worked so hard to do because you don't get things your way. Just because we don't understand something does not mean that God is not listening. What do you do during the silent years or silent moments of your life? 
Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's not active. Do you remember the Seraphonician woman? The Seraphonician woman said, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And she was talking about this vexing that she needed deliverance from, right? The Bible says he, Jesus looked at her and said not a word. If you misinterpret the silent seasons, you'll get offended at God. If you misinterpret when God is not saying anything, you'll come to your conclusions of what God is like, and you'll question his value for you. I know because I've had to go through that. I've had to throw my tantrums, and you know, well, I thank God that I'm at a level in my relationship with God that I'm not looking for thunder and lightning. When I, when I throw a tantrum, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm not happy right now, God. And I, I, you know, I've had to repent because there's sometimes like, you, you're, you're more powerful than this. I'm no good to you, sick. Hurry up and heal. I'm serious. Hurry up and heal me. Now, if you have a relationship with God, you talk to him like that. Right? Now, look at this. I believe that he had prayed for revival, and I want to show you scripture just like I told you. Look at this, 1 Kings chapter 19. You're getting anything this morning. Verse 4. When you're in a dry season, watch this. Verse 4 in the NLT. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, it's up on your screens, and sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Wait, wait, this is a man full of faith. I just want to die. So I have hope for you guys. When, you're, when your faith is short-lived, that even a prophet, a man of God, said, I want to die. Now, I'm not condoning that, Okay. I've had enough of this, Lord. How many of you have been in I've had enough of this, Lord stage? Come on, come on, come on, come on. How many of you have currently been or, or, or are currently in I've had enough? Let me tell you something really powerful. The I had enough stage, is a rest, it could be a recipe for the enemy to keep you in depression, or it could be your next step for, to be desperate for change and pursue God like you've never had before. And it could be that next step where you say, I've had enough of this. I'm going to do everything I can so I could get close to God and I'm going to keep obeying the word. Here's what the Lord is saying to you in this hour. Can you obey me without feeling me? Can you obey me without having the good stuff back to you? Can you obey me? Let me tell you, when you get married, you're not only going to see each other and have goosebumps every time you see them because you're going to wake up and feel their bad breath and their hair all messed up one day. And you're not going to be like, oh, this is so glorious. You're going to be like, ugh. Or some of you, when you wake up, hey, hey, I'm just being real with you guys. Because we think our Christian walk is going to be full of roses and daisies all the time. He loves me, and everything's going to be good. It's just me and Jesus. And we're just going to do the Song of Solomon together. He's going to look at me, and I'm going to look at him, and we're going to fall in love, and nothing's happening. Nothing bad's going to happen. But if you realize that it could be a catapult, see, desperation could either drive you to the devil, or it could drive you to fast and pray and say, I am not giving up until I see you come through. But what if the answer that you're believing with comes in another way, and it comes in a way that you have not been praying for, expecting? Maybe you may not have the ministry that you've been wanting to do, but maybe you're going to fix someone else that will. 
Maybe you're going to pour into someone and you're not going to see the, the things that you've been wanting to, but that person that you poured into is going to be radically changed and they're going to change the world for God. Could you imagine the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord? I heard there was just a couple people that day, those days in the 20s, when the tent revival, and there's a couple of people. If you're a lot like me, you know, a lot of preachers are like, oh, man, only four people gave their life to the Lord. It's perspective. But one of those people will get a hold of God and will shake the earth for Jesus. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. So the danger is, now I'm going to share this with you. I'm almost done here. The danger is when we start to clock out during this phase. If I say clock out, oh, I'm going pre- to preach here for a little bit. We don't say it, but we begin to clock out of things in our lives. So the, dis- the disappointment stage will lead to the I am I'm enough of this, I'm done stage. And when you're in the I'm through, I'm enough of this God stage, what happens is you slowly begin to clock out of important relationships and obedience and principles in your life. So what you do is this. You, you, have enough, you have enough sense to not, and biblical knowledge to not leave, watch this, to not leave your marriage physically, but you say, I'm not going to leave physically, but I'm going to clock out emotionally. I'm just going to sit back. I'm just going to come in. I'm going to pay, pay the bills. I'm just going to sleep in one room. She sleeps in the other room. And you know what? I'm just going to go out to dinner, and my mind and my emotions are not going to be there. Guess what happens? You start clocking out. Watch this. Here's a revelation. When you begin to clock out, your conviction level will lower, and your standards will lower, and you'll give in to compromise. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. When you clock out, of your marriage. When you clock out of your church, so here's what happens spiritually. You start coming to church, but you stop being involved. You're just there. You clocked out. And then what happens is if you are living in the clock out phase, you will open up yourself to compromise. Why? Because you don't really care anymore. Fine. I'm going to watch a little pornography. Who cares? I've done everything I can, so I'm going to get mine. Who cares? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go and talk to this person, even though that is an emotional relationship. I know that I'm married. It's okay. It doesn't matter. What happens is when you clock out, guys, the responsibilities and disciplines that you've, that you've held up for all these years begins to compromise. So where are you at with the Lord? Do you have false expectations of something that have, like Elijah, caused you to be offended at God? Or have you been to a place where you said, I'm, I've had enough. I've had enough of this, and I'm beginning to slowly clock out. I want, you to, I want the team to come up here. Because that leads me to the last final trap here. I can tell the Lord speaking to you. Are you getting something? The disappointment stage will lead to the I'm done stage. Now watch this. This is key. If we're not careful and we let the I'm done, enough of this stage, progress, it will lead to the third one. Look at this, the battle of loneliness, the need for biblical community. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says that he went by himself, and when you're by yourself, you have no accountability, and you start making foolish decisions. 
when you start making foolish decisions, it's probably because you have no accountability in your life and you got to a point where you've clocked out and all of a sudden you get to that place. Look at this. The battle of notice. We ne- desperately need each other, not just the Lord. I want to make sure that I say that because that sounds super unspiritual. So many spiritual people that I don't need anyone. I just need the Lord. Can I just say something? That the Bible says that Adam had the Lord. All he had was the Lord. There was no sin yet. And God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. Yet he had, yet he had the glory of God wrapped around him all the time. He said, he said, I have no sin. Me and God are happening. How about this? How about James? If we think that all we need is God and not each other, then let's throw out the book of James. Confess your faults one to another that, watch this, that you may be healed. Well, brother, I, I, don't, I don't need to talk to people. I just need to talk to God. Forsake not the assembly of the saints together, as it is a custom of some. So we get religious and say, I don't need anybody but God. Yes, God is first, but we do need each other. A threefold cord is not easily broken. So why do I say this? Because I don't want you to slip into the loneliness stage. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Watch this. We need to be intentional about having godly people in our lives to bring encouragement. I've said this before, but encouragement is so powerful that it actually could stop the propensity of a hardened heart. The writer of Hebrews says this. Encourage one another. How many times? How many? Weekly? Monthly? Daily, lest your heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So what is, incur- what is community? Watch this. It's being intentional about biblical community doesn't always have to be spiritual. You could be intentional, invite people over to your house, eat dinner, eat food, play some games, talk things out. Doesn't always have to be, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, brother. Oh, this pizza, it is so anointed. Glory to God. Oh, man. Oh, the, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Look at that ice cream. Oh, my God, this is amazing. Sometimes you just have to talk. You know what true biblical community is? Is being transparent with each other. Like Alyssa said, is hey man, I'm going through something. Hey, so am I. Let's all let's talk about this. Because if you're alone without any accountability or people in your life, you will most likely only hear one type of voice, and that's a negative voice. Iron sharpens iron, so does a friend sharpens the countenance of another friend. You want accountability in your life? You want protection in your life? Allow people to speak into your life. Don't drift off in loneliness and get out. You get out of the dry season by being intentional, watch this, to be around community. And I want to say this because I feel it from the Lord. Some of you, the very thing that you need is the very thing you're rejecting because you got hurt by people and you need people. So you convince yourself you don't want to be around people because people have hurt you in the past when you've opened up. But let me tell you something it's still a recipe. Community is a blessing from the Lord. And I, and I want to just say this, and I'm closing this. What does community look like? Uh, by the way, before I, I leave, 1, Corinthians, sorry, 1 Kings 9, 19, 3 through 4 in the NLT, I want to show you that Elijah made foolish decisions because he was alone. Everybody say alone. You have to look at it real deeply here in the NLT. 
Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town of Judah, and watch this. I want you to read this slowly. He left his servant there. In other words, he had companionship. He had accountability. He goes, I am so through with this, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. You have to be careful with pain because you can make some foolish decisions when you're, when you're in pain. And watch this. Then he went on, everybody say alone. Say alone. Do you know that it was that journey by himself without community that allowed him to think all these things in his life? Sometimes all we need is, hey, you're going to make it. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you need someone to say, you know what? I'm praying with you. When, when Jose passed away, some of us, we didn't know what to say. But you know what we did? We hugged Lali. We hugged Raphael. And we had no words. We just said, we're crying with you. And let me tell you something. I am so proud of our community because we rallied together and we saw a need and we were intentional to gather and pray for the Rojas family. And we hugged on them and we loved them. Amen. And because of community, they didn't feel alone. They felt family. They felt strength. I told you before, I'm going to say it again. You know, if I go to the hood by myself and try to get all, you know, the gangsters, whatever, by myself, I'll be foolish. I'll be a little afraid. But all of a sudden, my boldness will get a little bit higher when I have like about 100 people with me. I'm like, what's up now? That's right. Look at all these people behind me. I wouldn't be as afraid. Come on, somebody. I wouldn't be as afraid when I have Lou and, 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 and an LD and, and all these, and, and PK. I'm like, see that? You know what? That's how the Lord is with you. The Lord is standing behind you the whole time. And the enemy's like, don't, don't you do that. And the Lord is like, <laughs> he's behind you. Watch this. Everybody say community. Just the other day, when we found one of our members blew out his back, guess what our leaders did? Not me, not me saying, hey, you have to do this because it's a culture. Everybody say a culture. When you develop a culture, it'll be automatic. So my leaders, we appointed elders here. My, most of my, a lot of, some of my elders said, hey, we're going to go to so-and-so's house. Some of you guys know who it is, but it's okay. And we're just going to love on them and we're going to pray for them. So that's what they showed up as a surprise. And some of our elders, anyone is sick among you? Have the elders of the church come on, pray, anointing them with oil. Some of our elders went to their house and and made his day. Why? Why? Because it's community. They, you know, I'm so tired. The holidays are here. I want to eat my pancakes and I want to eat my pies. No. Oh yeah, I felt that from the Lord. You know what? You know what? You know what's going to happen? True community sometimes is a sacrifice, and it's inconvenient. But when you do it, it'll bring strength to you. Can I just be, can I be real honest? Can I just be real honest? I'm going to be honest. Will you say yes or no? So, Many people have left churches because they felt there was no community. Many people have stopped going to churches because they said, I don't want just good sermons. I want accountability. I want friendship. I want encouragement. So why does, what does it look like? I'm going to share with you. I just wrote some things down. Community looks like intentionally inviting people over for dinner. I want, I want, I want you to see this. I want you to take notes. I want, you re, I, want our, I want to challenge our RCC community to do this. Don't just be the person that says hi or, or complains. No one came up to me. Well, guess what? Be the answer to that problem. 
I know some of you young adults, you've talked to me before, and I loved it because you didn't wait for someone to come to you. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure I connect with people. So guess what? After service today, I'm going to challenge you. A little homework. Are you ready? Go to someone that's been coming here for a while and introduce yourself to them. <gasps> God forbid that we talk to somebody different than our own little clique friends. Be intentional every Sunday to look for someone that you could connect to. That's intentionality. Say intentionality. Creating a culture where you facilitate conversations, small groups, right? Or, 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 uh, or, or gatherings in homes. Now, I know this sounds like old wineskin, and I'm closing with this, but even church attendance could bring a sense of community. I wrote this down so that you won't get mad at me, so I'm, I'm not going to look at you when I say it. Don't neglect something that is good and beneficial for you because you consider it old wineskin. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at you. Don't neglect something that's good and beneficial for you because you consider it old wineskin. Yes, we don't throw all our eggs in Sunday morning church, but you'll be a fool to say that this gathering of believers together, when we worship together, does not bring a sense of family to each other. Can I hear an amen? And the last thing I'll say is this. Me and a pastor friend of mine were, were talking about why we feel that the church attendance across America has declined. Why we feel, you know why? Listen to me. I know there's a lot of reasons. I know there's a lot of reasons. You know, not reaching the millennials. They don't understand the millennials and all that stuff, right? I feel one of the greatest, the, watch this. I'm, I'm closing with this. One of the greatest reasons why people no longer are in a, a community or even fellowship, or even going to church services or church or gatherings because of the use of technology. I'm not against technology, but watch this. Now we have apps. Now we have Facebook Live. Right now, people are watching me right now. They don't want to get up early. They're in their PJs. They're eating some scrambled eggs, and they can see service, and they can hear, they can see a service from their bedroom. Wow. But here's what happens. Technology has replaced the need for each other. I've been in a restaurant where me and my wife said, babe, look at your right. And there's a family of four, and they're not talking to each other, and they're texting, all of them. And I look, I go, why did they even go to the restaurant? <laughs> Come on, you know I'm talking to you. Technology is good, but it has replaced our need for fellowship. Oh, you, right now, back when I was growing up, there was no internet. There was beepers. I thought we were cool. When, when someone said hello upside down, oh, look at that. You see? You remember that? I was like, oh, look at that. I got a beat of a beep. There was no such thing as internet. Guess what? I had to physically go to a bookstore to get a book. Real page, real pages. God forbid, real pages. When's the last time you went to a bookstore? It's all closing down. When's the last time you went to a blockbuster? It's all closed down. Everything is digital now. When's the last time you went to a record store or a CD store? Watch, watch. I'm not saying technology is bad, but we have replaced community with Facebook, Instagram, with internet. Now we could Google Todd White and hear whole sermons of Todd White. We could go Damon Thompson and hear whole sermons. And you know what? The lie is, hey, I don't need to go to fellowship gatherings. I can sleep in because I have it right there. Sure, you get fed. You will get fed, but you'll miss out on fellowship. 
Don't be that Proverbs 18 reality. A man who isolates himself rages against all wise counsel. If you've been hurt by people, let the Lord heal you this year so that you could welcome people back into your life. And let's be intentional about establishing biblical community, which means this. Don't wait for someone else to do it. You do it yourself. Can I hear an amen? Stand up. Let's stand up. Come on. We're going to close with this. We're going to worship. And I'm right now, if there's anybody that's in need of prayer, we're going to open up the altars. But I just want us right now to just lift up our hands right now before the Lord. Come on, and just ask the Lord. If you're in a dry season, identify which season you're in. Come on. If you're in a dry season, say, if I'm in a dry season, are you in the disappointment phase? It's okay to say yes. Are you in the enough, God, I, I'm about to quit? Or are, you, are you in the loneliness stage? Watch this. It is because of the disappointment phase and because of the I, I've had enough phase that leads you into loneliness. It's a progression. Do you hear me? You don't just wake up and say, you know what? I think I'm going to be lonely right now. No, it's a progression. Everybody say progression. Deal with the disappointment. Deal with the I've had enough of this. And then deal with the loneliness. Come on, lift up our hands. Let's ask, contend that we will be a church that contends for community, that contends to get out of disappointment and to contend to restart our life with God even though our expectations didn't match our reality. Come on, lift up your hands before the Lord. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.